Welcome to the Confident Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly D. Parker, speaker, consultant, and self-proclaimed introvert who stumbled upon the cheat code to captivate audiences and command any room. Each week on this show, I'll share tips and tools to inspire you to communicate with power, charisma, and awaken your most confident self. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 15 of the Confident Speaker Podcast. Thank you for spending some time with me today. For the next few weeks, we're going to enter into a series called Speaking Up at Work. Today, we're talking all about winning at interviewing. I want to arm you with some tips around how to use your voice and advocate for yourself in the workplace. So today I'm bringing you a special guest, Ashley Cash. And I don't know about you, but I listen to anybody with the last name Cash. Ashley Cash is a hiring manager turned career coach specializing in six figure resumes, interviewing and salary negotiation. She helps professionals get hired and paid. After 13 years of hiring, firing, and managing teams for big organizations like Coca-Cola and Whirlpool, Ashley now creates courses and delivers coaching that teaches you how to create six-figure resumes, nail interviews, and negotiate the big bucks. So this week, we're talking all about interviewing, and next week, we're going to bring Ashley back again to talk about negotiation. So listen up, get out your pad and your pen because this girl is going to break it down. Today's episode is brought to you by my Storytellers Masterclass. This is my high level coaching intensive that teaches entrepreneurs, experts and innovators how to create powerful connections and capture the hearts of their dream clients through the power of storytelling. Students learn what stories to tell and how to tell them through the medium of video in order to increase their impact, influence, and income. If you're looking to grow your brand, make an impact, and position yourself as the go-to thought leader in your field of expertise, visit the storytelling page at kellydparker.com and apply today. And now, here's my conversation with Ashley Cash. Ashley, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. It's so good to spend some time with you. So I just want you to tell all of our listeners who you are and what you do. Yep. So I'm Ashley Cash. I'm a six-figure resume writer and interview and salary negotiation expert. Whew. That was like a whole mouthful. (laughs) But basically, the long and short of it is um, I help professionals get hired and get paid. That literally is is the scope of my work. And I think one other part that is really important to me is um, I really help my clients advocate and ask for what their experience and skills are worth. Nice. So how did you get to this point in your business and career? What's been your path? Oh, my gosh. Okay, how much time do we have? <laughs> the I will give the abridged version. Um, so, so the long and short of it is I have always been someone, even, I mean, y'all, even back in college, that people would come to and be like, Ashley, I have an interview coming up. Can you help me prepare? Now, granted, I'm, you know, 20, 21 years old myself, but they were asking me for help. They were asking me for resume help largely because I had secured um, some pretty good internships and um, I had secured a a job for after graduation, like at the beginning of the school year. So people were like, 
obviously you you know what you're doing. So I mean, fast forward into a corporate career for with brands like Coca Cola and Whirlpool. Um, I just had a moment where I was sitting at my desk one day and I was like, I don't think I have like 35 more years of this in me. Like this cannot be it. Like this can't be it. And so I started really kind of thinking about what is the work that lights me up? What are the problems that I want to solve? Who are the people that I want to serve? Um, you know, really inventory. What am I really good at? And that's when I started to not only look inward, but also backwards, right? So that's why that whole story about people asking me about resumes and interviews and stuff, even back in college, is relevant because I started really thinking about, okay, what do people always come to me for? What do people feel like I'm good at that, you know, more so than, than anyone else, right? That that sort of gift, right? That's, ultimately, that's what it ends up being, being right? It's, it's the gift because it's simple to me, but to everyone else, not so much. And so as I started thinking again about my gifts, problems I wanted to solve and who I wanted to serve, um, and again, what I was really good at, my business idea sort of came together. Um, and one of the things that was always important to me, especially as a hiring manager in these big organizations, you know, frankly, I was just kind of tired of seeing someone's nephew or someone's neighbor or golf buddy's niece, you know, come in and, and get jobs um, and ask for the moon and get it, you know, ultimately because of either who they knew or that they had sort of been groomed to negotiate with expectation. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to share what I know about how hiring and salary decisions get made and help women, specifically women of color, you know, people who are underserved or feel like they have a lot to offer, but as they climb and navigate their careers, you know, feel that trepidation about negotiating or advocating for themselves or speaking up. Um, and so really, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to give people the inside scoop. And it's work that I truly feel called to. Um, for me, it's ministry. It's not just work because, and I could go into stories, but when I think about the people that I've helped, the ripple effect that you know, landing a better job, earning a bigger salary has had for folks in both their lives, their communities. Um, it, it it is so humbling, and so it's work that I love. And um, yeah, that's my story. Wow, that is so. That's just so powerful. What you were saying about looking not only inward but looking backward, and sometimes we overlook those breadcrumbs that are behind us, like you said, because our gifts just seem so obvious. And so like, well, can't, can't everybody just explain how to ace the interview? You can't, you know, sometimes we <laughs> overlook our gifts, <laughs> man. So that is, that's just, it's so powerful and so encouraging to see you walking right, you know, in the middle, you know, of what really is what the plan is for your life. Do you, mm -hmm. have you ever had moments of doubt, you know, as you were starting your own business, did you ever have that voice like, girl, what are you doing? Do you really think you can get out here and do this? Um, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I would say, I think it's important, even when you are operating in gift, a gift or in purpose, um, kind of whatever, however you want to frame that, the doubt, it still creeps in, you know, it, it still seeps in. Only, I would say, just this year, have I really, really, um, and I was intentional about this, 
been able to really starve those feelings of doubt or fear or, you know, who who says you're an interview expert? Well, I say, <laughs> my clients say, um, you know what I mean? Like my results say. And so I absolutely in the beginning felt like, you know, am I a fraud? Am I an imposter? Do I, do I know what I think I know? Um, and again, for me, shaking that off has literally been like, I have taped to my bathroom mirror that I literally, um, I live my life without, you know, fear, guilt, or shame. And so for me, it is a daily, I mean, literally like daily affirmation I have to give myself of, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to doubt what you're doing. You know, look at your results. Um, do you believe you're called to this? If the answer to all that is yes, you know, you don't have anything to be afraid of. And and I will caveat doubt and fear with those things are obviously very human emotions. I hate when people are kind of like, kind of dismissive of those emotions because I think then people kind of look at themselves and like, well, what's wrong with me? You know, I feel doubt. I feel fear. Um, it's very human. It's very natural. But again, for me, it's just been really intentional about I'm not going to succumb to the doubt and the fear. I'm going to do hard things. And I'm going to do the things I've been called to do. So good. I just think that's so encouraging because sometimes it seems like when you see somebody doing something, like see somebody like you and you're running your own business. Oh, she must not struggle with doubt. Mm -hmm. She must not ever question anything because she's doing it. And that's not how any of this works. The doing happens (laughs) in tandem, (laughs) You know, with with some of those those questions. And like you said, they become they get starved when you take action anyway, based on fact. So mm-hmm. love that. So let's talk about interviewing, because that's what you are, an interviewing expert. <laughs> so I think the 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 question that, you know, folks want to know that might be looking for a job or looking for that next move is what is the key to getting the interview? Would you say it's a glowing resume? Is it connections on the inside? What really is the key? Yeah, it's both. Um, so <laughs> when I talk to people about actually getting more interviews, um, I'll, I'll start with the resume piece because that part is important, right? I mean, the, the fact of the matter is most of us, as we are applying for jobs, are applying through some sort of, you know, online portal also known as an applicant tracking system. So it is important to have a good resume. I, you know, I would never diminish that. Um, some kind of quick key components of what is considered a good resume um, really are three things. The first one is um, it is specific to the role for which you are applying. Now, when I say specific, I know some people are like rolling their eyes like, listen, I got kids that are virtual, you know, at home doing virtual school. I cannot create a resume for every role I'm applying to. Well, the good news is that's not what I mean. (laughs) So keep listening. (laughs) Stay with me. What I mean, though, is specific to the job in which you're applying, meaning um, I'll just use marketing as an easy example, or, or I'll just say HR, right? On your resume, focus on your HR experience, right? If you are someone who is multi-talented or uh, multi-purposed or you've had sort of an interesting career, but you're targeting an HR role, highlight the HR skills, experiences, and accomplishments, right? Blow those things out, you know, sort of overly talk about those things. And then everything else, make that 
a footnote, if you will, right? It's okay to list it so that you don't have gaps on your resume. But when someone is reading that resume, when I say specific, I want them to look at it and be like, oh, Kelly is an HR practitioner. Like, they're not thinking like, well, does she know HR? Because I see all this stuff about working in a veterinary clinic and I see all this stuff about being a creative, right? You want to focus on or hone in on the industry using those keywords, phrases, et cetera. The second thing as far as um, your resume that you want to make sure is you want to make sure that that thing is scannable. So if you get past the applicant tracking system, meaning the computer that's sort of scanning your resume for keywords and phrases, you want to make sure that when it gets in the hand of a decision maker, that could be a recruiter, that could be the hiring manager, um, that if they're only spending a few seconds, again, the information that they need to see, meaning HR, you know, uh, HR practitioner, HR uh, competencies, they're front and center, right? Because they're not going to dig around and say like, oh, well, it was on page two. I don't know why they didn't call me. No, mm -mm -mm. It's got to be peppered all throughout. So if you've got a two-page resume and you're trying to do HR work, HR competencies need to be, I mean, just punch them in the face with HR skills, experiences, and competencies. So that is a practical way to get more uh, interviews based on your resume. Now, I probably am showing my age when we talk about the connection side of it, but when I talk about the connection side, I like to use something called resume VIP. Now, if you know what VIP is, right, or the difference between uh, when I would go out with my friends, there was always two lines. One was the ladies get in free before 11, and that line was long, right? And sometimes it would be cold, and we'd be out there shivering, trying to look cute, but ladies get in free before 11, so we would get in the line, right? But then you had the short line, which was VIP, and you could pay to get in early and get into the warmth and go ahead and start your night, right? Well, the same concept applies with your resume. If you're just sticking your resume into an online portal, um, you're getting in the ladies get in free before 11 line, right? You are hoping that that line moves fast enough to where you can go ahead and get inside. Or you can use your connections, and that's what Kelly just alluded to, um, to get your resume in the hands of a human being right away. You can skip the line. And so if you have a resume that we just talked about that's specific and scannable and you leverage who you know inside the organization, that is the easiest, fastest way to get an interview. Nice. Yeah. I, um, I had to learn that because it really does. That really does expedite because like mm -hmm. if I, Things when I have times when I've applied for things, I'm like, okay, I just hit apply, but who do I know? Let me mm -hmm. think about who I know, <laughs> you know, and try to <laughs> do them both at the same time. Um, yeah, that really is super powerful. So you mentioned about a page two. So is it okay to have a page two? I mean, the longer his work history you have, I assume, you know, your resume might be longer, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. But the rule I follow is put the most important information up front. And so to illustrate that, one of the tools that I will use for clients is um, underneath their professional summary, sometimes I will include a career highlights section. So if you have some great work that you've done that is somehow on page two, an easy way to get that on page one is to just do a quick career summary or career highlights 
on page one. So again, you can put all that information up front. So that way you're not trying to get confused about chronological order. It's just put it up front. I can't harp on that enough. Put it up front. Definitely. What mistakes do you see people making on their resumes? They, hands down, people feel, and I don't know if it's an ego thing or just maybe they don't know, but they want to put down anything and everything that they've ever done for each role on their resume. And I'm not taking away from anyone's work, but you have to prune and think about, okay, if I were hiring someone for this role, is it absolutely relevant to have, you know, um, manage the employee fund committee? You know what I mean? It's like, just because you did it doesn't mean it's, it's not important work, but think about just keeping it straight and to the point. Talk about the things that are relevant for the role to which you are applying. Talk about um, accomplishments. Talk about skills that you've used to get things done. But um, that's probably the biggest mistake is just trying to bombard the resume with every single thing you've ever done. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's say we've got a great resume. So we've spoken about ourselves great on paper, and now we've landed this interview. So we're going into the interview How do we prepare for that moment? So people always, you know, interviews freak people out because you're thinking, what are they going to ask me? I I hate interviewing, you know, all those thoughts. And so the kind of key things that you can do to prepare for an interview are the first thing is nail, tell me about yourself. Like if you don't have time to do anything else, you know, don't spend all night Googling interview questions, spend a good chunk of your interview prep on tell me about yourself. And the easiest way to do that or to nail tell me about yourself is one, I like to start out with, talk a little bit about um, how long you've been in the industry or doing this type of work as it relates to the job. Uh, The second thing is talk about what you specialize in or what you feel like you do especially well. The third thing is if you can throw in a accomplishment or a big project that you worked on, include that. And then the last thing is connect with the interviewer and the company. That's sort of closing it out by saying something to the effect of, you know, kind of with all that experience, what attracted me to this company or specifically this role is, you know, I have shared values with the company or, you know, I read on the job description that, I would be responsible for these global campaigns. And that's really aligned with my experience, right? You kind of talk a little bit about you, but then you tie it up with a bow by inviting them into the conversation. So that's the first piece. Um, And so if you just do that, I guarantee you, you will move on, right? Because you haven't spent two hours walking through your resume. You haven't talked to them about how you used to play tennis in high school, you're really just in three or four sentences, really kind of in a concise manner, told them who you are, what you do, and why you want to do that particular job. So that's the first tip. Okay, that's perfect. That is like, because that question can be so difficult because it's like, tell, tell you about myself. Are we going back to fifth grade? Like what, <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> exactly. So. 
So that's perfect. Um, the other way that I kind of have, have looked at it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So I, in my mind, I see like a shelf and on the shelf are, are like stories. Like I have like maybe five stories, like my go-to stories and whatever they ask me, I know I can hit one of these stories up. So if you want to talk about initiative, let's go. You want to talk about a mistake I made? Let's tell the story. You want to talk about, you know, collaboration? So I kind of um, use those illustrations to talk about whatever they are, you know, prompting. Kelly, listen, you just blew my whole business up. I'm going, <laughs> everything must go. I'm going out of business. <laughs> you... That is literally step two of interview prep. It, it used to be my interview prep secret, but now Uh-oh. y'all actually cash is going out of business. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but that's exactly it. You do not have to spend all night Googling interview questions and watching YouTube videos if you do exactly what Kelly just told you. Think about, Kelly says she has five Listen, you could have three and you have those stories and you just think about, okay, within those stories, like Kelly said, let me pull out the elements, right? So um, I have a client, she likes to call it an octopus because it has all the different arms. And it's exactly kind of what Kelly's saying. It's like, okay, well, within that story, you want to talk about collaboration? Okay, that's one, you know, that's one arm of that. Uh, You want to talk about working with a forward-facing client? Okay, boom, that's that. You want to talk about solving a problem? Well, within that project, there was a problem. You know, there always is. And so that's exactly it. If you just kind of think, I have those strong stories where, you know, I can really talk about my work and put my competency on full display, you're going to be fine. One small uh, caveat I would add to that as you think about your story is watch your pronoun. Um, We... We do it probably unknowingly sometimes, and that is make sure when you're talking about your stories, you're talking about I. What did I do? And I'm not saying pretend like, you know, um, you didn't have any help, but in this story, you're Michael Jackson, right? Like, you're the, you're the guy. You're the front person. So you just want to be mindful not to talk so much about what the team did or what we did and more so, I did this thing. I took this step. Um, I presented this, I made this recommendation, I secured this client. Um, And if you just do that, you'll be fine. Nice. Okay. So with COVID on the scene and, you know, so many things transitioning to virtual and I would Mm -hmm. assume, you know, a lot of people's interviews are going to be virtual now. What, you know, what's the strategy around nailing a virtual interview? Absolutely. So the first thing is, (laughs) <laughs> I'm laughing because Kelly, I had a, I had this mix up is make sure your tech is give yourself time for tech. Yeah. Nothing will fluster and frustrate you more than, you know, it's three minutes until this thing is supposed to start and you can't find your charger, you know, and your phone's on 1% or you can't find your AirPods or whatever, or the, the website isn't loading. Right. If you can, the night before or 30 minutes before, try and connect to the tech platform from a nerve standpoint that will put you ahead. And that matters because if you're starting flustered and frustrated, it's hard to give your best performance. So that seems like a silly, you know, small little tip, but you just don't want to get caught slipping with the technology. Um, 
So that's the more, I guess you could say, tactical side. From an actual execution side, I think the things that are really important are remembering to connect with the person or people on the other side, you know, because you lose a little bit of that. And people hire folks who are competent, yes, but also who they have connection with, who they feel like they can work with, who they feel like they can, you know, present to important clients. So it's really important to not just look at it like, okay, I'm going to stare in this camera um, and answer these questions, you know, as they throw them at me. Remember to to connect with them. Ask questions of the interviewers. Be curious about the work that they're doing or what the company is um, doing during these these COVID times. And so, if you take the tips that Kelly and I already laid out about tell me about yourself, about having your stories on the shelf, um, prepping your tech, and then remembering to connect with the folks on the other side of the screen, you will be fine. Nice. So, what is the job market like? Because I know um, it seems like, you know, there might be more virtual roles. So that gives you like a broader range geographically that maybe you could be considered for. Yet we know the economy, you know, it's not the best. Do you feel like there are, you know, plentiful opportunities out there? Or not so much. Um, from what I'm seeing, or at least with my clients, um, there are opportunities. I don't know that I would use the word plentiful. But there are opportunities out there. Um, my clients specifically have gotten, been getting offers, have actually even been successful in negotiating roles. And I do think you, you hit the nail on the head. Our geography has now opened up, or we are no longer limited exclusively to geography because roles are virtual now. And so um, that has helped quite a bit. Um, so if you are someone who is, out there and you're looking for work, I would encourage you to broaden your job search beyond just, you know, your city state or, you know, a certain zip code and really think about opportunities on a national, even international scale. Um, The other thing I've gotten questions about this quite a bit is some industries are obviously more impacted than others. And so when we talk about opportunities, it's like some industries are sort of booming or staying afloat while others are are really having a hard time. And so if you are typically in an industry that is not doing great right now, um, one example is is probably anything related to live events. Um, Hospitality is obviously taking a hit right now. Now is a great time to be thinking about what are industries that may be adjacent to that, right? Um, What can I... Where can I take those skills and what industries really lend themselves um, to maybe other industries or where I'm doing similar work, but, you know, I'm not producing a live event or I'm not in the hospitality industry. Um, So you might kind of think about it from that angle. And then the other part of that is also leveraging people you know. And it doesn't even have to be like, oh, well, I don't know any, you know, CEOs. No, no, I'm talking friends, family, friends of friends, and putting it out there and saying, hey, you know, I'm looking for HR role. Can you guys keep your ears open for me? Can you check the listings at your company where you work and just check the job board internally and see if you see anything in HR, right, making a specific ask? Um, so that, that's kind of what I've been advising lots of folks to do these days. 
So let's say we've had our interview and it always goes one of two ways, right? Either <laughs> we're going to move forward or we're not, right? So <laughs> so let's say, you know, we put our best foot forward, but we didn't get the position. So we get the the call. And sometimes, I mean, I've had times I didn't get anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just didn't hear back. Okay. But let's say, you know, they call you and they say, you know, you didn't get the job. What should we do then? Do you recommend like asking for feedback or what are the next steps around, you know, recalibrating if you didn't get the role? Yeah. So here's the thing about feedback. People get frustrated with this, but you're probably not going to get a ton of feedback. Um, Companies nowadays are so afraid of getting sued. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's sort of like they don't want to give you feedback that could be used against you or mis, mis- uh, used against them, excuse me, or misconstrued as um, discriminatory. So they're really careful about what they say. And, and frankly, sometimes they may not even have the bandwidth um, to really provide personalized feedback to every candidate for every position for which, you know, they interview. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that. I think some of the things that you can try to do is, try to think a little bit about um, sort of the cues that you might have gotten during the interview, right? It's like, hmm, did I go a little bit long? Um, Did I, you know, think back to some of the questions and think, okay, did I hit that one on the head? Um, Or did I kind of skirt around it? Or um, did I accidentally sort of talk myself out of the job? Or on a more, I guess you could say, spiritual level, also just maybe coming in terms and saying, you know what? This one wasn't for me. And I know that that, if you're looking for work and you've got obligations and you're like, I really need to get hired, that doesn't, you know, always sort of fit the bill. But sometimes um, a no is really just opening up a, a, a door for the right opportunity. And I'm sure everyone listening to this, Kelly, you probably have stories of, you know, sometimes something you really want slips from your grasp. But on the other yes. side of that, something even better comes along. Mm-hmm. I have a client who had been interviewing for months for a new role. She was in a job she hated and she kept, she was getting a bunch of no's and she was like, actually, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like I'm, I'm doing what you told me to do. I don't know what's going wrong. Well, fast forward, she gets an offer to relocate back home, which kind of as a sidebar, that wasn't something that she and I had ever discussed, but she just was like, you know, in my heart, I wanted to be back home. It wasn't something I verbalized, but I've been thinking about that a lot. Well, she gets an offer to relocate back home. The company moved her home, you know, better job, better salary, all that stuff. And I was just kind of like, hey, I guess we kind of know why, <laughs> why we were getting all those no's as hard as it was in that season. And she was like, obviously, when I was facing rejection, I was not thrilled about it. But I'm so over the moon about really being back home and not having to pay for a move. And I was just like, well, there you go. We can't you know, we can't prepare ourselves to circumvent what our creator has for us. And so I hope you can be a little bit encouraged in that. Um, Sorry to, you know, I guess kind of tangent there, but. No, that was, that's perfect. That put my mind to understanding that no hiring manager holds your future. Mm -hmm. And it can be hard to, to remember that because it can be very demoralizing, especially if you, if you go on interview after interview and it's just not, it's just not working, but you know, it's all part of a, a bigger picture, a bigger plan. And so, like you said, sometimes we're just being redirected to that, that real thing. 
Thanks for listening to the Confident Speaker Podcast. If you found this content valuable, make sure you subscribe and leave a review to help others join the Confident Speaker family. Thanks again and see you next time.